Hello fellow beings, welcome to Tapasya Loading, a safe space to attend honest, raw and authentic conversation in homage to the ancient act of stoking a sacred fire. The humble, soft-spoken, vulnerable, sincere manner in which you'll hear Marcus Roy to speak on this podcast might leave you surprised when you figure out that it comes from an artist who spent the past decade on the road with living legends like Tony Levin and Pat Mastolotto on all continents performing for audiences who flock to hear them play a form of music based on a process an entire generation possibly doesn't even know exists anymore. I met Marcus shortly before he entered this phase of his life at one of the most memorable gigs of my life for reasons more unconventional than mainstream and knew from the very first moment that this was someone I'd like to have a more extended conversation with someday. And while 10 plus years was probably not the window I thought it would take, you know what they say, better late than never. So here goes. We are rolling. Thanks for doing this, man. Oh, you're welcome. Very nice to hear your voice again after, I don't know, 10 years or more. Yeah, it's been a decade. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I always keep track of what you've been up to. Um, I have been since the last time we met. And mm-hmm. the last and the first time we met was one of the craziest gigs of my life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy for me, dude. I, I drove drove six hours there, played oh, the gig and drove back. Oh, Jesus. I'm so sorry we put you through that. <laughs> I still cringe at the thought. If it's any consolation, we drove about five hours each way too. But uh, you know what's really crazy though? Uh, We played the same venue one year before. Mm -hmm. uh, um, And you couldn't get into the club. I mean, they had a a queue right up to the doorway. And Mm -hmm. the audience literally wouldn't let us leave the stage after two and a half hours of crazy mad improvised music so we had to play <laughs> another half an hour of that uh, what we were doing and <laughs> one year later that like three people in the audience so just goes to show how mad the life of a touring musician can be sometimes yeah definitely but i i, I don't mind playing for three people it's just i enjoy i enjoy music so much same here. And I, I, I remember enjoying myself. Yeah. So that was all good. Okay. That, 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 I'm actually very happy to hear that because I was so convinced that you were super pissed when you left. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. pi- like pissed in the sense mad. Because uh, I, I would have been, I might have been to have done a 12-hour drive for playing to three people in the audience. Uh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, but it, there was uh, Schröder was there, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, Schröder and because, because uh, last last year I played with uh, Mike Neely for the first time. We were on a tour together with Devin Townsend, and uh, and that only then uh, I I remembered that I had played with Schröder before. No way, that's crazy. Yeah, I hadn't realized you were on tour with Mike Neely last year. Yeah, how did that go? It was wonderful. It was about, I can remember exactly like 25 shows or so mm-hmm. uh, with Devin Townsend. And he, he put together a really great band with 10 people, like with uh, three backing vocalists and two main vocalists and Morgan Ogren on drums. And 
wow. Diego Tejeda on keyboards and Nathan Navarro on bass. And uh, it was it was just really wonderful. Wow, that sounds really mad, like in a good yeah. way mad. Yeah, it was um, it was interesting because Devin Townsend had until that tour, he had always played with backing tracks. And um, so the, this, the tour that he played with us as a band was completely without a safety net, no click tracks, no backing tracks, nothing. Wow. And I have to say it was, was a pure joy because his music extremely, is extremely powerful emotionally. Mm-hmm. But then actually presenting it without that safety net gave it that extra spice, let's say. And it was amazing because we could, like he could even ask the band to speed up and slow down during songs or stop right in between so it was it was a little a zapper-esque because of that and um, it was it was really a wonderful experience beautiful so a lot of eclectic musicians playing without a metronome on stage or without even backing tracks has turned into such a luxury of late exactly yeah it's it's really not the it's not the uh, rule anymore i mean the really the normal way it is that you have in-ears and and a click track and ah, and right. somehow somehow the the somehow the uh, i mean in the in the more in the popular music field let's say right yeah. and and it's it really i i really find that something gets lost oh, you know totally totally yeah. you know, when i listen to the the great bands of the late 70s early 80s let's say where they had good monitoring on stage, but um, yeah, no, still no, no in-ears or something, or it was probably just the beginning where people were using sometimes headphones on stage. But, but anyway, it was, um, it was really, um, this tour with Devin Townsend felt like uh, we had gone back in time 30 years. Oh, beautiful, man. But playing music that was like modern, you know, and that, that was really a wonderful combination. I think, to me, it shows that that's the way that I want to um, go in in the future to have more, like more freedom and to always to always kind of push for this idea that musicians should actually play together without a click track. I hear you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm going through a somewhat similar experience, but probably not as um, elaborate. But since the COVID, what I've done is I have this recording set up. I'm recording a solo piano album for the first time in my life. And mm-hmm. it's uh, with, with no screen. So uh, I'm a Zoom artist who, who are also kind of co-sponsoring this podcast. So I have mm-hmm. one of their HN4 handy recorders here, which is like a mm-hmm. HN6, sorry, uh, which is a six-track recording uh, device anyway with some pretty high-grade mics. And it's just always plugged in. So all I do is anytime I feel like playing, I'll just mm-hmm. two flicks of a switch and I just play. No screen, nothing, no click, absolutely zero. Mm-hmm. And, I, and mm-hmm. I have no visual representation of what's going at all. So I'm forced to listen only and just that. Um, yeah. Obviously a very different, uh, you know, m- much less elaborate version of what you're referring to. What I find though is, uh, what I find a little saddening is that there's a generation of musicians out there who literally don't know that there were times people did play without a metronome on stage. Yes. That's, yeah. that's the part which I find a little irksome. Yeah. And I'm, I, I think I'm just on the, on, on the edge of that generation. You know, it's, even though I, I'm, I'm 47 now, but um, I, I still did play without... Uh, the click track but 
my touring career basically only started about 10 years ago, like in a, in a big way, you know? So, so I was, you know, um, I was lucky that I, I got to play with uh, Tony Levin and Pat Masolotto in this band called Stickman. Mm-hmm. And for the first few years of the band, we did not use click tracks. And now we sometimes do, but they are, again, it's a little bit different. Uh, it's not it's not like a fixed click track. It's a click track that Pat can bring in and out. Oh, you know, he has wow. one of these sample pads and and... And since he's using, uh, um, you know, drum loops and stuff uh, like electronic sounds, he sometimes needs to make sure that we're in the right tempo. So what he does is he then like throws in a click for a few bars so that we know what the exact tempo is. And then he takes it out and then he brings in the drum loop, for example. Nice. So it's really it's really cool with a drummer who knows how to to deal with that uh uh, technique, let's say, you know, you can, you know, you, you can do really beautiful things because you can go in and out of a more or less fixed tempo, um, you know, if the drummer has control over it. So it's, um, I, th- I think that's, that's kind of like a nice thing. And that's what we do with, uh, with stickman nowadays. That's, that makes a lot of sense, man. Sounds like a beautiful mm-hmm. balance. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm 41, but I pretty much still kind of the same generation you are. And mm-hmm. It's interesting. I've also been on the other side of being, uh, well, kind of reprimanded by my peers or elders for having a laptop on stage. You know, and I used to be a, a keyboard player before I shifted my focus more to my writing and my singing. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, like a good decade of my touring career started off as a keyboardist. I was like a proper, you know, quintessential keyboard nerd. One of the first mm-hmm. in my region <laughs> to get into laptops on stage and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Including that gig we played with Willie O'Terry, by the way, I remember. Even Willie was like, "Oh wow, you're literally you're the first keyboard player with a laptop on stage." I said, "Yeah, I mm-hmm. made it," <laughs> um, and so on. And then somewhere along the line, I'm like, "Holy shit, man! I'm 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 tired of this shit. I wanna, you know, please, no more screens already." And uh, <laughs> yeah. th- thankfully, my endorsers, my, my supporters, nor they're also big. Um, yeah, I sound like an advertising company now, but um, they're also really big on, okay, less screen, more knobs and more listening. So I'm very happy to have that kind of support uh, on stage. But, um, but let's, uh, let's go back to you um, before I go off another. Um, yes. Uh, um, you were, that, that part of what you just said, that like your touring career really took off slightly later. Um, mm-hmm. I remember you saying, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you were a psychologist before you became a professional musician, weren't you? Uh, yes, that's that's correct. And I'm still a psychologist. Uh, however, however, the music, the music making has be- been my main focus. Uh, and and like like from in terms of like what I what I wanted to achieve in life, the, the music was number one. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Not to stereotype, but that doesn't surprise me because I, I remember being very um, like impressed by your demeanor at the gig. You were so calm and like so zen, and it was mm-hmm. it was the kind of demeanor that's uh, not uh, you know it's it striking in a very positive way. And mm-hmm. it was only later on I found that you were also a psychologist, and it, it it totally kind of fell into place. I was like, aha, yeah, um, <laughs> but in a good way, you know. I think uh, mm-hmm. I think we're past that side guys who are being a psychologist was frowned upon you know people run away from the kind of people you run away from and now it's gone quite the other way uh, with all the crap going around in the world 
I think everyone's uh, been kind of, uh, I don't want to say forced, but I can't think of a better word at this point, to confront their demons and kind of, uh, you know, have a good hard yeah. look at their shit. Yeah. And, and you know, there's also uh, quite often this uh, misunderstanding that, that a psychologist um, has to be a clinical psychologist. Exactly. You know, and, and really... Um, I I studied in uh, Bielefeld, Germany, which and the the university there was like more focused on, on the science of psychology and and you know psychology actually is a science, Very and uh, and and like the the part that is clinical psychology it, in a way and I, I just uh, said that to a friend recently, I basically never wanted to become a clinical psychologist. It was just that in the process of, of researching in psychology. Uh, I, I noticed that I seem to have some sort of talent for it. So it was not it was not something that that I kind of had like consciously in my mind that I wanted to to help people, let's say, or you know, to get into the healing arts, so to say. But uh, but it was just something that I I I started noticing that yeah, like people were coming to me and uh, coming to me for advice and you know stuff like that. And so you were a natural healer. The interesting thing is that that uh, you know when I when I uh, my father he is really like a say like more of a simple man like he used to drive trucks wow. and then he had then he had an accident like almost forty years ago and he was uh, retired very early on in his life because of the accident and uh, and and so it was really difficult for me to really know what my father's profession or calling was in his life because it got disrupted by the accident right mm -hmm. and i was i was still too young i was nine years old when that happened so so and the funny thing is that i would say that he is a healer actually but he doesn't know and and he 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 does the healing on himself and mm -hmm. that's that's kind of like very interesting to see. so so yes i do have i do have uh, I guess there is like a history of of the healing arts in uh, in my family. There's no history of music in my family, which is super interesting to me still. That there's like I, I don't know any relative who's into music. Interesting. Can you believe that? Yeah. I mean, my brother loves music, yes, but but he's also not a musician, you know. But. Um, yeah, I, I can believe that. I can relate to that intimately, actually. To start off with, in reference to um, your father, what the experiences he just uh, related there. I've, yes. He wouldn't be the first one I've heard of with healing tendencies who's not necessarily consciously aware of it. It's pretty common. Yeah. yeah. yeah I've seen it often, so, so often. Um, I guess, uh, I mean, the word healing in, in itself is, is it's almost like an umbrella really now so many different modalities out there um in my case it's it's interesting i come from a family of doctors um, mm -hmm. everyone's a doctor <laughs> including my, not just my parents but my uncles and aunts and everything mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but i'm not sure all of them are necessarily healers which is what you think every doctor is with mm -hmm. all due respect because uh, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. especially my father comes from a lineage of uh, Hindu shamans, really, to be honest. My mm -hmm. granddad used to be a medium, it is said, 
in fact. And so my father grew up seeing all these uh, practices which would be broadly termed woo-woo by a lot of mainstream society and mm-hmm. uh, lost his father when he was 18 uh, and went to the complete opposite. Paul said, you know, fuck this, I don't believe in any of this, I don't want to believe in any, any of this and none, none of my experiences are to be believed anymore, I'm just going to be a doctor who prescribes medicine. Went to the complete mm-hmm. opposite uh, direction and um, just, yeah, it's it's only now after decades of, you know, confrontation with multiple scenarios that he's starting to connect with that part of his life again, although it's a very, very slow process. Point being, I can intimately relate to what you just said. Because... Um, mm-hmm. I, I, also, you say you're not from a family of musicians, mm-hmm. but how do we define music? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I, I think for, for me, it has become a really broad thing where um, I guess music as we know it, or like a musical instrument, and like if you and I, I'm really talking about myself here, uh, but if you spend a lot of time with having a personal practice that involves a musical instrument and then it involves music, um, you develop sort of like skills or like uh, you, you learn to follow certain principles that can be applied to any uh, any action, let's say, exactly. uh, in the world. Exactly. and And... And so music, you you know, you can you can be musical in uh, in a conversation. You can be you can be musical in the way that you look at people. Amen. You can be you know. So so it's really like the the definition of music is it's, it's like you could say it's it's vibrations or it's the the word that people use for vibrations is vibes right exactly so exactly. so in that and and that's really that's really what music is yeah music is yeah vibes. absolutely you speak and, my language and, brother i know exactly that deal resonates with me deeply yes uh, that's, and, and, sorry no and and that's why there's really uh uh yeah i mean yeah obviously with when i say music to a musician then we're talking about uh the music that you can hear and the music that we make and you know, but I think it's just it's just uh, like a general it's it's like a principle of the world and like the uh, the world as we know it is kind of is music. I agree. And, and so that like the only uh, that I find like if there's something that is not musical, then and I'm not next actually talking about music here, but it's it's really funny if I say that, but. Uh, I know, like, right? <laughs> Intimately familiar but, with that feeling. Yes, but but um, you know something that's not musical is usually when when there's when something is happening where there is a disconnect between between uh, the intention or motivation and the and the med- and the medium. Yep. Like and 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 that's that's really when things are not music or not musical. It's like a uh, um, I don't know. Uh, it's, there's something wrong with the with the way the forces uh, interact, and yes. then then something can become unmusical. But but I think like like naturally uh, the world is music, and yep, yeah, 
Yeah, those could have been my words, man. I, I have, uh, I can't even conjure them because it's like you're mirroring exactly the kind of thoughts that run through my head of the my head of late. Um, mm-hmm. It's, um, I mean, there is the whole quantum physics angle now. Uh, I mm-hmm. try not to get into it too deeply because I'm not sure exactly how qualified I am to use that as a an example. I'm still in the midst of studying it and understanding a lot of it. But it has kind of been proven that matter doesn't really exist in the way we've been taught it does. And it is really a bunch of vibrations yeah. uh, and different frequencies. Um, it's hard <laughs> not to say that, not sound... Um, um, not sound like uh, a wannabe new age guru which is really not an intention in my life um, but it is true uh, it's and I've noticed that the feeling of when something is not right in a room or in society or on your screen and on your social media mm-hmm. feed is, is very similar to the way it feels when you play a note you didn't mean to Yes, yes. And and this is a good example that you bring this up, like the note that you didn't mean to. I think like the, I, I spent most of my uh, my musician's life accepting the notes mm-hmm. that I didn't want to play. And and by accepting them, I can integrate them into into the flow of things, into into the flow of life. And 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 I've also found that you know like my my attitude or my uh, my feelings towards like when we're talking about these wrong notes right mm-hmm. I think we can use them as a metaphor mm-hmm. is that 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 uh, that we really don't know anything about how they are being experienced by other people and and so I think that's like kind of allowing not to actually feel bad about the wrong notes uh is a cl- very clever thing to do in our world that is made out of vibration you know <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, acceptance uh, yeah acceptance yeah exactly and uh, I'll, I'll take your example a little further and also add to that if i may that it's it's i think accepting a note you didn't necessarily mean to for what it is is a great practice but basing the entire practice on only those notes again is probably worth a little more caution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it depends. I think I think there's also like always two sides to the coin. So if you if you if you would find a way to really practice the wrong notes, let's say, then it would be as valid a practice as practicing the right notes. Very true. Because 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 it's as like I said, it's the intention and the motivation that makes the music. I agree. If, if that makes sense. So so in a way, um, uh, like like with my band Central Zone, I have, we have this joke, we have this slogan, which is we invented the wrong notes. I like that. Which is which is a joke, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's tongue in cheek. Yeah, I like that. But. But but it's like <laughs> you know you, it's possible to invent the the wrong notes so, and 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 then then make it something valuable and and so that's this is this is how I actually kind of uh, but but really this is very specific to my art to my specific way mm-hmm. of making music. I, I agree I, with you completely. Though, just to clarify, I think uh, the notes I was referring to is wrong. 
mm-hmm. were not the notes you were you were referring to wrong, uh, the notes I refer to as wrong. Actually, to, to start off with, uh, I actually try and be careful to use the word wrong in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll go with notes I didn't mean to play. Yes. And um, in most yeah. cases, more cases than one, when I play a note I didn't necessarily mean to, it's a result of my lack of awareness and being at, in the moment at the level I aim to be at. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, in a way it's a reflection of my and the way I look at it. Music always reminds me where I'm when I'm not in the zone. You know those notes. Mm-hmm. It's a reminder. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, get back in here. You know, you know, don't let your don't let your um, right brain chatter get to you. Left brain chatter, sorry, get to you. And uh, you know, stay here. Stay with me. Stay stay with the music. And it's uh, when I'm doing a bad job of that, some random note will come out jarring at me as a reminder. <laughs> and yes. So, so what I wouldn't want to do is, bar, you know, base my entire music on only notes based on lack of awareness and not serving the music. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what yeah, I was getting at. I, it's, it's, I hear you, of it, course. It doesn't contradict what you were saying in any way. I completely agree with what yeah. you said, actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the interesting thing for me is that it has kind of um, this awareness uh, that you're talking about. It has shifted quite a bit over the years, and at some point, it was it was still the um, uh, the sound of the note that reminded me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but nowadays, I would say it's really more the the physical experiencing of producing that note. Mm. So it's it's it's. Um, it doesn't really matter so much which note it is or if I intended to play a specific note. Mm-hmm. It's more it's more if the if the, the, the movement the movement part of playing the note, right? That is the one where I where I where I can feel if I'm present or not. Wow. Yeah, so it's 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 moved from it's moved from 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 something that is being fed back to me via my ears. To something that is fed back to me via my the, my my sense of touch, let's say, like the kinesthetic sense. Wow, so it's almost like a dance. Yeah, it's it's like yeah. I mean, it's 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 like a dance. I mean, that's that's what I what I uh, keep saying to my students who want to learn touch guitar with me uh, or any musical instrument for that matter is like that you want you basically want to see your instrument as a stage on which you want to be able to dance freely. Beautiful. That resonates with me. And actually strengthens a lot of my beliefs in music too. I've always found the physical aspect of a musician's life to be very mm, underrated and unaddressed in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's often been something looked upon uh, in a lot of cultures I've grown up around anyway. It's been looked upon as something to transcend in order to connect your instrument or music, which is not wrong per se, but I think sometimes I find a lot of musicians forgetting that the instrument you're using to connect to the music is what you're transcending. It's a bit of a paradox. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that instrument you're using to transcend the same, you know, deserves a lot of attention. And it's its, its own art form, and it, you know, on its own. Hey, you know, there, there's like... Music or playing an instrument is more than just one discipline. It's so like true. it's it's like a cake of with many layers, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
and and and one layer is really like one of the important layers is the one that we already talked about was which is this part of acceptance so true. and and so so uh you know i the way that i'm i'm teaching music is that i'm teaching it as an art mm-hmm. as an art form so that means like no matter how or which 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 uh um, your initial initial skills or, or ideas the student brings you, you can already you can make music you know right here and right now you don't really need anything else than what you already have and who you already are wow and 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 the musical instrument you know just yeah you can like learn to play the instrument uh, better and 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 like maybe more technically uh, proficient and I've had my 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 share of that, but then I also realized that I I really don't have enough time in my life to to do everything or to know everything I I really w- I would want to know. So that's where where the acceptance comes in and where like where where I'm just in allowing myself to have that uh, that gap and. And then the magic happens in the gap. So like whenever there is like the unexpected, whenever there is like a surprise, a surprise movement or a surprise note or a surprise sound. I mean, it's especially if, if you're working collectively with other musicians, then there's like these constellations happen that you couldn't have predicted. And and that's really where the music lies for me. And, and, and that's where acceptance comes in to just really say, yeah, this is, this is, this is great. This is wonderful. This is inspirational. And that was also what I referred to when I said that we were saying with the central zone that we invented the wrong notes is that kind of like this, this acceptance of the things that we haven't heard and the things that we maybe don't find beautiful initially, but by actually sticking with them, we discover the beauty. And it's the same with people when, when, when I'm meeting people, when I'm talking to people, I, I, I try not to be blinded by the first impression that I make it, like visually or, or, or whatever, in all senses. And just you know, I think it's important to spend time with, with you know, in in interactions. You know, it's 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 not that that you can only. Uh, uh, you see a person for a second and then you know that you're in love with that person or you're not. It's, it mm-hmm. doesn't work like that, you know? And I, I think it's like every, every human being is worth more attention than just a few seconds. And, uh, beautifully said. Yes. And, and so, so that's like, we're back to this, what we said at the beginning that like music is basically, it's kind of, a, you could say that music is a metaphor for like every everything in life mm. so true man I, I i took a lot from what you just said so acceptance allowance the creation of gap for magic to happen beautiful mm. yes and also the the parallels between how that applies to relating to fellow beings as well is uh, very very true it's interesting some of some of my best friends or you know um, for lack of a better uh, term like some of the most important people in my life are people I didn't vibe with at all the first few minutes mm-hmm. uh, you know and mm-hmm. it's, it's so true and mm-hmm. I wonder now 
where that came from. I wonder what it is. Maybe sometimes it's just resistance. You know, sometimes we, uh, our uh, egoic projections almost, are, you know, they're kind of there to kind of stop us from taking the medicine we need at times. So I can't help but wonder sometimes if, you know, the, if the people who we need in our life attract in our life um, in a good way are also the ones we resist the most in the very initial seconds. That, but also in this, what you said about every human being is worth more than a few seconds, especially in these times, that's such an essential thing to remember because we're so used to uh, looking upon people as, I don't know, social media IDs or something, it's hard to remember yeah. that, you know, that, that that's that's not really what a human being is about. It's, there's so much more to that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think you're you're right that um, whenever whenever we feel that we are being um, uncomfortable with another person or um, even f like feeling rejected or something, I, I think that it usually means something. Mm, very true. Um, and, 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 and so there is there's kind of like always, always these these, like I said, there's there are always these two sides that seem like they are contradicting each other, but but they're just pointing out um, that there's something there for us that we should look into. Definitely, the duality. You know, I mean, I, in my case, it's always a reminder of something I don't like about myself, something I'm not I haven't made peace with about myself. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, like it recently I started saying in, in these, like, like we're doing a podcast, you know, but like whenever I do like an interview, I, I say, like, if you, uh, to the people that are listening, I say, if you feel intimidated by my music or by my person or even by what I'm saying here, uh, don't let that stop you to contact me if you feel like something resonates with you. Beautiful. Yeah, I love I, that. I, and and that that is not it's not easy to say that, um, but yeah. I have I've made that practice That's to point really... out that sorry, and it's pointed to point out even even if you even if you hate me, please tell me, you know, just 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 tell me and let's get in touch and 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 somehow I feel that is that that that's kind of like a solution to uh, a lot of problems that we have as human beings is to just to just to to accept feedback and to accept uh, you know it's it's interesting how how easy it can be to hide your feelings right oh so true man and, and we've we're also a generation have been well, uh, I think we hopefully we one of the last generations where the mainstream was to hide your feelings. You know, strength was uh, the ability to you know ignore your feelings and kind of soldier on. In some yeah. manner, was was the mark of strength in some way. Yeah, and the the funny thing is that I don't really think that I do that in inside of me, mm -hmm. but my my body language. It's just different, though. Like my body language may may not not show what actually what's actually going on inside. Yeah. And and I I you know I de I deceive myself uh, occasionally. Just you know, like I think that I I did 
communicate something with my body, uh, mm -hmm. which I didn't. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I can really relate to that. It's it's <laughs> way more severe in my case because I'm uh, I'm ex obese. Like I used to be like severely obese, so I suffer from a lot of dysmorphia anyway. So. My relationship mm -hmm. with my body has always been very intense, especially these past decades. Because I, I went from athlete to complete obese to recovering athlete again. So I'm pretty sure my body language is all over the place and sends out you know, <laughs> yeah. craploads yeah. of mixed signals, I can very well imagine. Because there's also been a sense of detachment uh, within and the way that has integrated into my musical life especially because for a long for the longest time i was the talented you know i'm being very politically incorrect here the talented fat guy at the piano back in the day <laughs> yeah. yeah you know who's forgiven for being fat because he plays piano i used to mm -hmm. be that guy and I, i decided at some point no i don't want to be this guy anymore <laughs> you know i'll stop playing piano even if that's the price because you know this is not really what it's supposed to be about doesn't do piano any favors doesn't do me any favors so uh um and it's a journey that's still very much in the thick of things so i'm still processing so thanks for pointing that out i have no idea and I, I, i need to do a little bit of examination on my own body language there and see if I can't integrate the two in a more natural way. You know, it's it's also like this uh, this disease that's uh, called depression, right? Mm. So where where a certain certain emotional state gets frozen in your in your body or in your face or mm. like, and uh, and it's it's unfortunate because I think that it's 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 people are already so used to seeing depressed people that they can't really imagine that there may be, you know, behind that face, there may be a person who's actually feeling okay. Yeah. And this is kind of like an interesting, like this is, this is something that I, I really experience a lot where people are asking me uh, to smile. Oh, where, 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 <laughs> it's true. It's true. Where, no, I, where, get it. I, I hate that when people say, can you smile? Can't you smile? Yeah. Yeah, but where, where internally I'm, I'm super smiley, you know, exactly. I'm, happy. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm super happy, yeah. but it's just that my face doesn't, doesn't speak that language at that moment. And I think it's, it is, it is, it must be, it must be the result of some trauma. You think? That, I think so. Yeah, I think so. It's, I mean, it, it may be not, I don't, I mean, it, it's impossible for me to say really, but I would say that it's, it's quite possible that it's trauma that got got that kind of is kind of frozen in in the outer in the outer uh, surface of my body somehow um but this is this is something that i've been obviously i'm 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 also like researching my own psyche and um but there are there are just some some questions that that even i can't really find a good answer to and um so so i'm just putting these thoughts on the table without being able to uh, to be totally sure about anything. Well, thanks for these thoughts. They're very valuable thoughts. I'm, I'm learning a lot and I'm um, getting a lot of food for thought as well. Uh, I can't help but wonder that maybe you're naturally stoic. That's quite possible. I mean, the, I, I have a young daughter now. She's 10 months old and mm -hmm. I can see some of that in her. Mm -hmm. Like she's, she's like super friendly and like the most positive person really mm -hmm. but she can she can her face can be like really serious 
Yeah. You know, yeah. and and but it looks like she's she's taking the world seriously, mm-hmm. like in a, in a positive way, right? Exactly. So it's it's like, and and that's that's how I that's how I see I, I see myself. Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that very well. The people. I, sorry, Tiel, I have to open the door. No worries, don't take your time. My wife and my daughter. Sure, sure, absolutely. I'll be back in a minute. Sure, yeah, sure, just, absolutely. Yes. This episode's brought to you by everynowheremusic.com. Yep, you got that right. That's yours truly. So if this is an endeavor you'd like to support, please come and sign up for my newsletter at everynowheremusic.com. Every nowhere or every now here, depending on whichever way you prefer to look at it. Okay, I'm back. Sorry for that. No worries, man. Priorities. <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't. They didn't have uh, the house key. Gotcha. So I knew that they were going to ring the doorbell. No worries at all. Uh, where were we? We were at um, uh, right. So your right. So wow, we we went. We really dug deep with that. But I was actually trying to uh, not trying. I was just curious about your life as a psychologist before your touring career as a musician kicked off. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us more about that. How did the touring kick off? Yeah, that was um, basically I had been working with Pat Masolotto, the drummer, uh, since 2005. Mm-hmm. But how and, did that happen? Where did you guys meet? Um, we we met actually met on a train. Uh, um, I was at a King Crimson show in 2000 in Munich, mm-hmm. and the next morning I took the train and I ran into Pat Masolotto on the train because no they way. were also going north. Yeah, they were going north in Germany. To Bonn, and I was going back to Bielefeld, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so in 2000, then Pat and I, we just became friends. We exchanged music, and um, so in 2005, he, he called me and asked me, like, Marcus, do you want to come and uh, spend two weeks at my house and work on some music together? And that was like when when these uh, Pro Tools home studio rigs became available, and he he had uh... one, and and he invited me, and I went there and. We started working together, and yeah, so we've been. We we then did quite a few few projects together in the next five years, and it was uh, in August 2010 that um, you know Pat had at that point already been playing in a trio with with Tony Levin and Michael Bernier was the name who was a stick player, and and so they had this trio called Stickman. Mm-hmm. And and Michael had to um, had to leave the band for reasons that I'm not aware of, but he had to leave the band. And Pat asked me if I wanted to join. And uh, on touch guitar, I mean, right? on touch guitar. Mm-hmm. So it was like a it obviously it was a no brainer to say yes. But uh, I I still slept on it for a night. I I allowed myself like that one night of sleep uh, before I before I said yes yes. <laughs> but I think it was it was important, you know, and. Uh, and I hadn't, I mean, I had met Tony Levin before, but never really in a, in a personal way. And so we uh, we scheduled a meeting that was in, in September 2010 at uh, Pat's Place in, in Austin, Texas. And um, we got together and on the very first day we, we wrote pieces that we still play now in front of audiences. And wow. it's been a real, it's, it's been a really wonderful um yeah, I mean, I don't want to say fate or you know, or destiny or whatever, but like it was really, it was really meant to be somehow. And the interesting, interesting thing was that maybe like 
a half a year or a half a year before Pat asked me or told me that there's this this that I could join Stickman. Um, I said to Pat that I would be interested in touring and playing mm -hmm. for real, which I hadn't been doing before then that, you know, and and he said, uh, I remember that he said to me, be careful what you wish for. And uh, and huh. yeah, six months later, it it <laughs> happened. And, and I've been touring the world with them for 10 years now. And wow. we played uh, every content, continent except, uh, well, major, well, except Africa. But, you know, we've been to Australia and New Zealand and and South America, like for five, five times, I think, in 10 years. And it's it's really it's really been a been been a very very wonderful educational experience also also in terms of spiritual growth i have to say tell us I, more well it's just just the mere fact that 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 when when a human being travels it basically just gives you a new perspective as simple as that like even if you're sitting around a table and you know like maybe uh it would be worth trying not to always sit in this in the same uh, chair, you know, and you just decide, OK, tonight I'm going to sit in on the other side of the table and the whole world looks different. Right. So and, so and so now now if you if you, uh, you know, blow that up in scale and say, OK, well, maybe I'm going to visit the next valley. Right. Or I'm going to uh, visit uh, the neighboring village. Or I'm going to the next bigger city, or maybe I'm going to go like from Germany to Belgium, or I'm going to go uh, from Germany to uh, another continent, maybe travel to North America, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And and the more the more of this 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 uh, perspective change you practice, the more people you meet, um, the the wider. And again, we're, here's again the word like acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. Like and and. Uh, I don't like the word tolerance. Me um, neither. It's it doesn't make any sense no, <laughs> because no. I don't need to tolerate anything. Exactly. I just need to. Yeah. But, but anyway, so so just being you know traveling around the world, meeting meeting locals, and um, you know as a musician, it's 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 wonderful because you're never a tourist. I know, right? It's, and you connect at, at a authentic level from the very beginning. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you're really never a tourist when you when you when you're traveling as a musician. And this is something that like people from the outside hardly ever understand. Yes. Like when I tell them that I'm on the road and they say they see it like a vacation. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not I a vacation. <laughs> I get that all the time. Was to be in Urlaub. I'm like, you know, yeah, yeah. You know that, that, that's quintessential German concept of Urlaub. You know, I don't do Urlaubs. I don't do vacations. Yes. But people yes. just don't seem to get it. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, it's, sorry, I keep interrupting, man. But, no, no, no. But yeah. but really, that's that's really what I meant with the spiritual growth. It's just like giving you so many new perspectives, and and also um, like like any kind of uh, class system basically is being bypassed by you being a musician, because the uh, the people that come to see you are from different classes and and uh, different levels of wealth, let's say. And, so true. Uh, and 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 like uh, I get to meet I get to meet superstars I get to meet the workers on stage you know I get to meet the nice lady that is uh, doing the catering uh, you know and mm -hmm. it's really it's really something um, it's it's just it's just wonderful because as as an artist and I think I think it's true for every artist who sort of like works in the public is that you that you transcend 
um, transcend all these uh, uh, divisions that that are being being constructed in society. Yeah, really. And yeah, and and so that's why I'm 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 actually yeah I, I feel it's it's a privilege uh, to be able to do that traveling, but it's also important to bring that knowledge back to where you are. Exactly. That 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 would have been my next question because the dichotomy in all of this is I see so many musicians and artists who will be on tour and you know vibrate at a higher level, and then they'll come back to their hometown and start acting like a dick again. That's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. To, so, and I'm yeah, like, no. what just happened? <laughs> yeah. 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 You know. So it's... tell us more about how you do that, integrating those experiences into your everyday life for real and for in you know, the long term. Yeah. I mean, so first of all, in response to what you just said, um, I think that uh, experiencing other cultures does not uh, make you a better person if you're already a dick. So, so. true. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, I could have said it better, man. Thank you, man. High five. <laughs> so true. But, um, but there's the potential, though. There's the potential for growth through travel. I, I really think so. But anyway, yeah, I mean, how do I bring it back? I mean, the, the thing is that it's something to learn. Uh, it's, it's, it's important to learn to interface with a local community as well as a global community. And I've been very bad with uh, the local community for a long time until I've I've moved I moved to Berlin I moved to Berlin 2014, mm-hmm. and and in Berlin it's it's it became possible for me to have uh, a local local relationships let's say. How so? And so? What was it about Berlin that made that a possibility in contrast to the other well, places you lived in earlier? Um, I think it's just because Berlin really is is kind of like the prototypical city where that is normal, mm. where it's known that the people are going and coming, you know, mm. it's like, it's, it's sort of built into the history of the, of the city somehow. And, and, and people, people don't in, in other places that I've lived, there's always been like some sort of envy or uh, xenophobia. Uh. Uh, and, and, and when I say xenophobia, I don't necessarily mean. Uh, I, I mean it even on the uh, to the degree of there's like if you're the only, the only person who uh, who is a musician in a small village, then there's already kind of like a little bit of a of a distance. Like if you're interested in the arts, for example. I hear you. I hear. You. I mean, xenophobia has many layers, very many nuanced layers as well. Yeah, it's just it's just about things that are strange, right? Things I don't know and. Right. And that's why that's why travel traveling. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not talking about traveling to Mallorca or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like traveling yeah. and meeting meeting people and, and experiencing other cultures really helps to helps to uh, get rid of that xenophobia, you know. And um, anyway, I've, I mean, it's just, um, yeah. I mean, how 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 do I bring things back into? into the local community it's just um i guess this is where part of the um what we talked healing before Mm -hmm. starts happening that there's like you said when you first when you first saw me that i had like a certain uh i can't remember the word that you used like uh, Uh, i think i used the word balanced grounded 
groundedness. That's, yeah. So I think it's 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 you can you can bring this kind of um, the influence that the the experiences that you have and they if you make an, if you can make them part of your body again like really it's something that you radi- radiate and really that's how and this is kind of like obvious but you the person yourself is the, is the interface and and the interface it does not even require talking mm. it can also it can also just be be uh, uh, physical presence that um that that kind of radiates a certain i don't want to call it frequency because it's not a frequency uh just uh, you know a certain certain attitude yeah. let's say yeah. right very well said and, yeah and i can see that i i i do have a certain i i i mean again i mean i don't know anybody who is like me mm. right and i'm sure you don't know anybody who's like you Really so so what that means is like if we manage to be how, how we are and who we are then that's what we can contribute so true man and let me let me please dive into that opportunity and I'll ask you a question that i'm very curious of so what you're also referring to in a certain way is fearlessness yes uh, and how do you cultivate that more and more importantly what do you do in situations when you're confronted with haters that which is something that happens every now and then because it's one thing to philosophize uh, in mm. state of expansion and another mm. to integrate it to a level where we don't react with a knee jerk approach like um, mm-hmm. uh, from a place of fear so is that something you could elaborate a little more on uh, I can. I, w- I wouldn't say that I'm that I'm necessarily very good at dealing with with that. Um, but I, I do have something to say, which is maybe a little surprising. But I think that our, uh, our the range of behavior that human beings have available is is usually much wider than we think. And it's it's really um, for example, I, 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 I encourage short bursts of anger oh, like I, in, in myself. I, I think it's, it's important to explode sometimes, you know, it's healthy. It's, it's yeah, because why would you want to keep that in? So for me, for me, if, if there's like, a, uh, you know, somebody driving badly, let's say, I'd, I'd rather just shout once, right. Yeah. And let it all out than, than to keep that inside and, you know, so, so, uh, so that's why I think even also with with uh, like you were saying like like hate or just ignorance, I think if if you have the energy to point it out somehow, and ideally nicely, obviously, okay. But like sometimes it's impossible to do that nicely, yeah. um, at least for me. And but but I I always feel better about giving people feedback even if I'm not uh, acting appropriately. Um, but it's, 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 I think it's important to, and, and maybe, maybe it's maybe one of the underlying problems also of, of some societies is that you're not even telling the other person anymore that something's wrong. I, right? know, I can very, relate, very much relate to that. Like, like there's, there's, I'm, I'm, there's this German, uh, there's like a, a sketch from the sixties or seventies. Um, by a guy called Loriot, 
and it's like he's sitting uh, at a at a dinner table with a with a woman that he wants to marry, I think even, and he they're eating a noodle soup, and like a noodle gets into in his face, and so there's like this noodle in his face, and he's talking and trying to trying to propose to her, and 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 she and <laughs> she looks at him. And, yeah, it's I mean you you have to I'll send you a link about for this later. It's amazing because she is like she she's trying and she's. You know, fighting with herself. You know, should I should I tell him that there's the new or not? No. And, it's, yeah. and, and, this, and this is really this is really kind of a really good example of what what happens is that 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 people have a hard time saying, uh, you know, and this is even like helping each other. Really. Yeah. Yeah. So, so would would you tell somebody that the the flyer of the pants is open, right? Yeah, or there's yeah. not hanging down your nose. Yes, that's, that's exactly. a classic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a classic. Yeah. So, 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 and I think that's really that's really the underlying problem there, that that we we have sometimes we have trouble communicating, and and a com- this kind of com- this communication can also be a shout occasionally. Mm. Like, you know, and, or yelling at each other. There's also an honesty in anger. If anger is really expressed in the heat of the moment because you're feeling, there's also that it's actually more honest than swallowing it and letting it out in a passive-aggressive manner in some other situation yes. two hours yes. later. Yeah, but I have to say that I feel I feel shame when I when I get aggressive. Well, well there's uh, honesty and shame too. Yeah, I, I I know, and I'm not I'm not saying uh, I'm just just trying to describe so that one of the one of the uh, what what makes me not fully embrace the anger I'd say is that this is this feeling of shame, and and so that's the level I'm I need to work on if you know what I mean, like it's the the shame and accepting the shame for something that's uh, honest, yeah, you know you know but but um, well, yeah, and, any consolation I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> a lot of shame um, dealing with most of the time. Anyway, um, hey, and and also here's another another thing. Um, we we also sometimes forget that I think the, the the variation of 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 beings that exist in in the human kingdom, let's say, is just is just super wide. I mean, like we always assume that everybody else else is just like us. And and that's that's also a problem. So maybe maybe somebody really would appreciate being yelled at <laughs> to to understand yeah. what's going on rather than than like being diplomatic all the time. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of misunderstandings happen because we don't really try to understand what the language of the other person is. And um, true. Yeah. Very true. That being said, I've had, I have had some confusing experiences too. Some of them even during the course of my work. One of the most complex, elaborate projects I was working in um, last year was a dance piece where out of the blue, one of the dancers just started screaming at me one night before the premiere and I genuinely <laughs> had no clue whatsoever. And that, th- that might have been a situation where I was like, hey, listen, this is really not helping. I, you know, you need to explain to me exactly what it is you are pissed <laughs> off at because you're just shouting at me. And yeah. I, I get it that you might be tense, but, you know, I have my own nerves to worry about, too. Uh, that, that, for example, was a, a situation where, OK, I could do with some passive aggression now, right? Now. I'd rather everyone be <laughs> passive aggressive and keep the shit together until we get this over with first. But yeah, it was a very, very extreme situation. So I don't know if that's the best example. I'm, I'm just reminded randomly. 
Well, I feel like oh, I could yeah. talk to you on a cross-continental drive or something, but I really do want to get into your touring career again. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, how did um, how did that follow after the first writing sessions with Pat and um, what what followed? Yeah, so so basically, it's kind of like this. Um, the 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 good thing is that Stickman is a is an independent band in the best sense. Mm -hmm. Like we we we're like self financed and it's it's like a small business oh. and um, and the uh, <coughs> we're not dependent on any record companies and so we make our own albums and we sell them and we tour them and um, and so it's 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 wonderful because because we can really bring music to the people that you you couldn't do in in a in a setting where there would be the idea of profit say okay like obviously we do want to go home and we want to have earned some money but it's never like we don't need to change the content of what we do we don't need to change the music in order to be popular Beautiful. and that that is that is just an incredible situation to be in yeah it's, that's it's a gold like really, nugget in today's age exactly and it's it's i'm so grateful i'm so grateful that that's possible so it's really like tony levin he's been he's uh in his mid 70s now and he's uh so he's been playing music publicly for 60 years wow. right so he has that much of a history that even in a small village like let's say at least 80 to 100 people would come to a concert and that's wow. And not expecting any particular music to be played, and then probably being surprised by what we do, or you know, like like uh, you know, just because we don't really we don't tailor the music to to please the audience, we have the audience that wants to actually hear something that they're that they are challenged by. Brilliant. I would even say, and and that that has been that has developed obviously, like started with the the first EP we did and. We did two uh, full-length albums, and we have many live albums because we have become uh, sort of like known for developing the pieces differently. And also recently, we started inviting a fourth player, and that has become sort of like a like a thing we do when we do uh, tours in uh, Asia, in Jap Japan. We always bring an extra person, and we call it Stickman Plus, hmm. and. Um, yeah, and and so um, it's been a really, uh, really a treasure uh, uh, to to explore for many many years. And like now with the um, with COVID, it's it it obviously we we are forced to stay home, and we've lost a whole year already of touring, mm -hmm. and we'll see what's going to happen next. But it also gives us gives us a chance. Um, to work on some new music, so I'm actually not that unhappy about the change of pace, let's say, okay. because it allows it allows for it allows for other other things to happen, and I'm always trying to see this positively, you know, and and even if I have to reinvent it my myself, uh, reinvent myself, which I think is happening automatically almost. Yeah. Um, I, I I think it's it's just it's just like part of my nature that I. That I try to adjust to the uh, to the circumstances. Anything and I, you can uh, tell us more about regarding the reinvention, or is it still a work in progress? Oh, it's a work in progress, but I can tell you about it. That um, please do. Like, it's like the teaching or 
like um, uh, healing aspects, let's say, of bringing bringing kind of joy into the world that can also be done with, with in other ways. I mean, actually, like going back to the beginning when I first mentioned the word healer, or or you mentioned it, I don't know, but um, it's it's like I I realized that the music is obvious. Music is obviously a big healer, mm-hmm. and music kind of resonates with people who kind of utilize it for you know as medicine as medicine and and uh, this is something i just want to want to kind of um base further actions on like reinventing uh uh myself in the sense that why why wouldn't i uh, pass on knowledge that is that gives other people uh, a chance to do the same let's say to create music in, in the same way or the same depth or the same the same language let's say and 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 so like um like like spreading 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 the love just with a different medium doing even doing tutorials doing workshops doing seminars uh just giving talks just hosting meetings of people who have to have the same kind of aim in life or you know it's just um that's kind of like the idea that i'm having yeah so 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 bringing so bringing the focus from from the from from the music to the person service uh, a service is is the right word yeah exactly um but i don't see that as bringing service it's 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 like as offering yes or to yes. be to be of service yes. or to be available to be available yes That's in the traditional better. sense of the word before it got corporate corporatized like serving to serve yeah i hear you man that that really warms my heart that really resonates with me deeply it's also very evident in your work generally i think it's always had that strain in it i was listening to your um, music all day to kind of get into the vibe mm-hmm. um I've, um, for, uh, interestingly enough, I think I've been going through a very similar experience. I think one of the first things which struck all musicians once the COVID hit was, okay, you know, uh, I get it, all tour plans done and everything, but why have I been doing music all, all my life? Because apparently the world might be ending. It had this apocalyptic vibe about it in the beginning. Nowhere mm-hmm. knew what was happening. And all of a sudden, I think a lot of musicians asked me, okay, does what I've been what what I've dedicated my life to does that have any value in a situation where the world might be coming to an end, so as to speak? You know, I'm, I'm obviously mm-hmm. exaggerating the entire situation, and mm-hmm. I think that really pushed all of us to examine some really deep-rooted uh, themes. Um, and my conclusion, personally, is close to identical to yours. Uh, is just the realization that music is medicine. And mm. I need to figure out a way where that aspect to it ha- has a more integrated role in my everyday life. Um, not just for myself, but in distributing that medicine to the right people. And you, you know, there is there is a tradition of music therapy. Absolutely. And, like, and it's and it's um, I mean, I say tradition, but. I don't know that much about it, but quite a uh, few traditions, actually. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, and I think that I mean, I'm obviously I grow, haven't, haven't grown up in the Western culture. I'm uh, there must be uh, like in Eastern cultures, there must be much more of that 
and also like things or like um, uh, disciplines that must have grown over thousands of years even. I think and in my experience, it's a global thing. When I mean, if you listen to Bach, I can't think that he did, he wasn't onto it either. I mean, you know, that's medicine too. <laughs> for for sure, for sure. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I, um, I'm actually teaching quite a bit of music theory these days. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm uh, usually working with Bach and uh, like analyzing Bach pieces. And, and it's just amazing how excited I get about it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> or, getting goose you know, pimples right now thinking about yes, it. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, Bach it's just, is scary, just, man. It's, he's like, yes. it's, uh, it's like di- direct connection to the, you know, that entire geometric source energy kind of thing it's like whoa what the hell was you know what did this guy experience when he was writing this yes and you know like uh, the other day a, a, a student of mine she asked me um what i was thinking uh how bach wrote this piece and it was like a violin uh like a like maybe like a three-minute violin piece and i said well he, he must have sat down and he's he wrote it down in 20 minutes i'm sure that he did like wow. he was just just this incredible but it's like every every single note acts as a pivot and that acts as 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 important in the in the progression and it's just a monophonic line and Crazy. and it's 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 fucking incredible what he did and yeah, and i'm so i'm so i'm so lucky that i have to say that i i got to experience Bach's music as a as a teenager and even even before obviously but but as a teenager i started playing uh, also on the piano you know like some some two-part inventions and like these classics right Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh and it's it it kind of made me uh it's it's a very part of who i am as a composer of music you know this this kind of integrated thinking Mm -hmm. uh which is which is very different from how you would you would learn jazz or uh popular music right it's it's, in a lot of ways yes although legend has it bach used to improvise the, the kind of stuff he wrote like he literally yes. he would sit down and improvise and it would sound like the inventios he's written down. In fact, there, yes. there's a theory that most of his, a lot of his publications are just transcriptions of him improvising. I don't know if that's yes. true, but I've heard. So. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I, I can imagine that. And, but, but, but what that also means that if he can improvise that on the piano, he could all, can also simply write it down. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. that, that kind of, that kind of mind. Scary, you know? yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and this is, this is like when I, um, I talked with this, uh, about this with my friend Trey Gunn at some point mm-hmm. where, where he said like, that the, the experiencing of music changes if you, if you change the level, like you have your hi-fi system and you turn it up, you turn it down. And then you, if you start turning it down even more and you turn down until it's almost inaudible. Right. And then like you would say, like at the end, there's nothing left. But then I said to him, but in the end, like if you if you're playing like this Bach piece on your hi-fi and you turn it down and you turn it down and it's it's off and you turn the hi-fi off and then you can still look at the fucking score and get goosebumps by looking at the fucking score. Oh, and, it's so true. <laughs> it's sacred geometry, man. Like a yes, Bach yes. score is sacred geometry. Like you could probably join the dots and it would make up a mandala or something. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazy! Yeah. Shout out to Trey Gunn, by the way. He was—he's he, badass. He really helped me out when I started off my journey with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's a purple belt, right? Yes. So I yes. was scared as shit about my fingers. It's like you reckon, you know, you're—you've been doing this for a while, and I'm scared shit. I don't mm-hmm. want to fuck my fingers up. And he was like, "Nah, go ahead." I mean, obviously there are risks, but uh, you know, I've been doing it for a while, and 
no harm done, still play mm -hmm. and so on. So shout out to Craig Gunn, just on the side note. Yes. Um, yeah, man. It's, um, I mean, in the Indian tr classical tradition, for example, I don't even know if Indian is the right word, but, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, because the mm -hmm. word Indian is very controversial at the moment in light of their uh, current government. Um, so, uh, but in, let's say, South Asian tradition, um, mm -hmm. um, music generally, it, it was practiced as a therapeutic tool to start off with, like the masters, um, and that's why they had such a, a very intense form of schooling, the entire thing. They were like, okay, you remember the highest purpose of this, what you're doing is therapy, is, is medicine. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's a message that kind of got lost in the practice over the years and people forget, you know, with all the virtuosic side of it and everything and the way it kind of made its mark in the rest of the world. People forget that, but people forget that the entire music, like uh, music is called Sangeet in uh, sans Sanskrit. Part of mm -hmm. its meaning is medicine, you know, it's like mm -hmm. a sang union, mm -hmm. Sangeet. So, uh, it's, it's, a, it's very closely related to the principles of yoga and um, um, healing, really. It was it was explicitly stated, basically, that music <coughs> is what you do to heal. You know, the purpose of playing any note is to heal, which obviously got lost. But uh, again, a very uh, I, you know, in my in my history of um, musical education, I. I got lucky that I was also in contact with uh, with Indian classical music. Yeah. Um, no, I had no. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was that was in the mid '90s. I I was actually visiting uh, Brussels quite a lot, ah. and with my uh, friend Daniel Schell, who is a composer, and he was very interested in classical in uh, in classical Indian music, and he he actually started a, a school that actually is called Sangeet. And, no way! Uh, what yes. It's just a just a small small school, and he invited this uh, um, this master of uh, Sobaha, um, uh, Ashok Patak. He lives in, or he used to live in Holland, mm -hmm. and and so I I took some lessons with him, and I saw some of his concerts um, in like maybe '94 or something, '94 '95, and 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 then I also played with a sitar player, and we played. Um, Ragas, you know, I mean, I did my my Western interpretation of that. But anyway, it was it was clear to me that that music was about um, was about the uh, illustration of the relation of the sacred geometry. That how, that's how you put it before. But really, it was like the illustration of the relationships. And and basically by you, you kind of inter interpret those relationships and you, you, you paint, you paint that painting of sacred geometry with the music. And, and, and that was, that was something that has always stayed with me. And I think like whenever I improvise, I'm, I'm kind of going into that sort of mode. Um, and, and, and for, so for me, like the, like the more Western improvisational approaches like jazz, that was, that has never been interesting or, it was never be a, a, a big part of my life. It was that Eastern uh, approach mm -hmm. and then classic, classical, uh, contemporary classical music in the West, yes. uh, like speaking European and um, 
20th century music um that was kind of like where where i came from and where i come from beautiful and that makes a lot of sense actually the approaches um you use in your music yeah i can very well imagine that the two would complement each other very well i mean a lot of your music the ambient pieces that you write they're very close to um, what is often referred to as an alap in indian music yes um, mm-hmm. the the aims of both seem to be on a very similar plane and wow well, I, i had no idea is there are there any recordings of this phase of your work where we can listen to yeah there there are but they're unreleased gotcha. so gotcha. Um, maybe at some point i will unearth that that was before i actually put out um you know my first official album was put out in early 98 i think oh it was that long back yeah 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 I, wow, that I, makes it I, all the more interesting it'd be super interesting to it's interesting yeah. to hear that. yes but the the uh, experiments with the classical indian music they were or indian classical music um that was that was really like even three four years before that wow so yeah no i i mean this is interesting even though i started i think i started pretty late because the i i was getting serious about music when i was 20 years old So and I find, I find that's quite quite late in a way. Um but by today's standards sometimes yes yeah, some would say but yes yes but anyway like I but when I when I started to take it seriously I, I really took it seriously and it didn't take long until I reached a level that I would consider to be uh professional let's say or or uh, uh like even even my first album which yeah which was released just like five while well, recorded five years after I started actually making music, mm-hmm. I think I still think it it really holds uh, you know it's it's a great album, I still think absolutely. And, that's and I say by today's standards, I say that you know as a as an observation, by the way, not a judgment because uh, yeah. you know they always you know how they say about how West Montgomery started at thirty and so on. And the po- point being here that it's very interesting. you've ov- your growth, obviously. Ha- was already happening even though you weren't necessarily expressing the same with the guitar or, or sorry in your case the touch guitar so i yeah. think it's no coincidence that that your learning curve if i may be bold enough to say so the, once you started yeah. music was so sharp yes makes sense yeah yeah and and you know i was i was always interested in like this in this uh meeting of the worlds of the of the of the very disciplined and 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 you know structurally uh, uh, um, logical with the improvised and chaotic part of music i i always loved both and you know i remember when i started playing the chapman stick and i was i started to come up with exercises and practice you know like six hours per day and you know keeping wow. a diary but then then on wednesday nights i would go uh you know that was uh, in bielefeld and i went to what was called the chaos orchestra which mm-hmm. was an improvising orchestra and we were just making making beautiful improvised noise wow and 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 so these these two sides they have always been present and and i think they contributed to my to my more universal understanding of music like approaching it from from the two extremes let's say and um that's why i i feel i feel super comfortable with any kind of music actually also and i also enjoy any kind of music beautiful I, 
I hard um, I would I would say that I hardly have any prejudice against any any sound. Yes, any that's certain. very palpable in in your overall vibe. It's it's very evident to see. I mean, this could be a podcast on its own, actually. You know, that we'll be just touching upon. But I can't let you go without requesting you to give us a, like a short version of how do you do that balance of, especially when you're touring with people like Tony Levin and Stickman and Pat Mostolato, where the, there are a lot of structures involved. How do you balance the chaos and the complete freedom with the intricate discipline? Since you're asking about Stickman, it's simple. I mean, there are pieces that are fully written and that they oh. just get performed the way they are so and then other music. pieces that and yes and other pieces that get that get uh, that are completely improvised and gotcha. so basically what what we try to do is to always have both extremes in in our shows and then obviously there's also the the stuff in between where there's like a like this the standard way of playing a solo and improvised solo on top of uh, a track that you know what it is or changes that you know mm-hmm. but but the, so there's so there's always um you know some of that in 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 everything uh, in every show and and that's also how we widen our our audience and how we widen the acceptance uh, of our audience like the or what our audience accepts let's put it that way mm-hmm. by just just giving them like really challenging new things new sounds to hear and also, um, at other times, um, you know, they get to hear what they expect. Gotcha. And um, um, again, here's like the, there's the, uh, it's just like in psychotherapy, right? Where like 99, in a way, with psychotherapy, it's, it's like 99% of, 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 uh, of getting to know your client, let's say, and then it's 1% of a, some sort of technique that makes them help change or whatever, right? But oh, uh, yeah. That in, is a fantastic uh, comparison. Thank you for that. Yeah, but, but, in, but with Stickman, actually, we have much more freedom to, to lead people uh, much, much, much earlier on. You know, we, we really don't need to give them 99% of stuff they know and 1% of something new. We can, there's, there's a much higher percentage of something, some of the new stuff that we can give them and, and really like, yeah, the balancing, the balancing act really, I think it's also, again, like we were saying, it's okay to make mistakes. You know, it's okay to sometimes, uh, do too much of one thing. And, but, but overall it balances out. And, and again, maybe that's like the advantage that I have because I get to, I, I used to get to play a lot, uh, in front of audiences. So maybe there's one show where, where maybe uh, there was too much challenge for the listeners, and and then that you, then you can make that up uh, with the next show, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so it's 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 more of a global and like a holistic thing, um, and overall I think that that everything like evens out and the balance is in the when you're looking at the big picture, that's where the balance is. Yeah, that makes so much sense, man. Is there a pattern you've noticed in the way audiences react in relation to the degree to which the music is improvised and premeditated? Uh, not really, but I mean, I, I think there are like cultural differences, like depending on like which country you're playing in, like how people react in general. Mm-hmm. But I don't really see that in relation to the material that we play also. And I have to really admit when I'm on stage and when I'm serving the music, I don't care what people think. 
in that moment in that moment i just and i mean that in a as a positive thing like i obviously i care about the people but i don't i don't i just i just don't let any thoughts uh i don't let any inner voices get in the way of the um expression of the of the creativity let's say yeah i get that, that. once i get that no we don't do audiences any favor by doing that by trying to you know trying to sell them something because the idea is to create a bubble we can both be united by yes yeah exactly but the, you know that like in the in the popular culture and i don't mean yeah. pop music when i say that i mean yeah, like I more mainst- mean. mainstream yeah. culture there people are always afraid to lose their job or to 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 not have enough people come to the shows and stuff so there's mm. always this consideration of how can we get more people to come how can we in a way like like make this sustainable financially and that's that's kind of sad cool. um yeah. yeah what's your take on that what's the principle you guys follow I mean, I know with Stickman and Tony Levu, I mean, you, you're already basing this entire thing on an audience that's been built over the years. Yeah, but yeah. still, in spite of that, I'm sure you guys have a very sp- specific um, uh, well, modus operandi or philosophy on this. Could we ask what that is? Yeah, I, I really don't think that, that it's something that is be, uh, that can be put into words. Beautiful. Um, That especially because because it's 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 the we're, like we're three people in the band and we have the our sound guy and so so it's basically four people making the music during a show right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and um and and i don't think that we all have the same aim or same idea so each one of us may have a certain perspective um but then it's it's the collective that really generates the the mo gotcha. and and but it's impossible to really la- to name it to label it because it's it's kind of a mix of the personalities involved and 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 so it would it would it's impossible for me to say what the mo is because i think it can be seen from the outside probably so if if you would study like you could ask our uh, you know my friend leonardo pavkovich who is kind of like our booking agent and who travel travels a lot with us and he's he's listening to the shows every night and and he's always ecstatic about the music so so um he would probably know uh, more about the mo but i have no idea really gotcha makes sense yeah. yeah yeah it's just some it's just something that happens um how do you deal with, i mean you've been touring for a while now and if this isn't overstepping boundaries how do you deal with the nights where you're not necessarily on the same page uh with the other musicians you mean the entire team yeah oh the entire team because that's inevitable uh, I, when you on longer spells oh it's not it's not true that's that's not true i okay. think it's it depends it really depends on on uh, the people you're with beautiful and okay. yes and i've i've i i so far i haven't had the situation where i was in a band where there was anything that wrong that it really uh, was a problem Yes, I mean there may be like maybe there's some, some you know sometimes someone is in a bad mood or you know and it can happen and and then it's again it's about it's about the acceptance that that's the case and and I I don't I think it's important that you don't take things personally um in a situation like like where you have the pressure and the 
you know the yeah the pressure of being on the road and you know being away from home and you know all these these negative uh, aspects of being uh, on the road mm-hmm. um so so it's really it's just it's just uh, another act of uh, acceptance and and seeing that nobody wants to do you any harm so it's really um again it's just it's about the personal attitude and like with my attitude and maybe maybe i've been ignorant of situations where where things got out of hand and i just just closed my eyes and didn't want to see that it's possible um i can't imagine that happening with you to be honest you're way too alert to let something like uh, that. i don't i don't know. i don't know i mean maybe there's there's this this uh, yeah maybe sometimes it's it's just the way to deal with um you know situations that aren't ideal where you just exactly kind of push, yeah push yeah. it away and it's it's okay i guess it's okay totally then, totally totally i mean but just to clarify um I, i think anything which works in a holistic manner is okay yeah that's beautiful i'm 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 genuinely happy for you that's that's very encouraging and very inspiring to know in my experiences no matter how much i love the people i work with some there's always some maybe it's me maybe i'm just too moody i mean i am moody <laughs> and maybe i'm the diva here oops uh diva's not the right word to use my apologies but yeah maybe i'm just sour puss here <laughs> it's uh any specific tools you recommend on the tour to keep uh, centered and balanced i mean what i would recommend is some sort of some sort of um self um you know it makes sense not to uh, not to impose yourself on the others um like in the in the tour bus for example or or when traveling in a van i think it makes sense to not really play music loudly Mm-hmm. um it's also important that you try not to, not to talk too much with each other i really think that that helps so to 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 give like that bubble for every for every individual to actually exist during during the travel time space right space exactly yeah so giving each other space that's really that's really the the recipe for success for a band i think and and space also also implies quiet right Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, it's just like, I mean, you're right, you're right in that regard that maybe there's one person in the band who doesn't want to listen to the Beatles, right? <laughs> But if if you you're blasting the very Beatles, nicely put, right? It's four people, and 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 not not all four people will enjoy the Beatles the, the same uh, the same way, right? Yeah. And that so so by by not playing the Beatles, everybody is more happy. So it's really <laughs> this was just a yeah, funny example, but you know what I mean, right? Absolutely, and, and that's, yeah. That's that's kind of what we're trying to do, and and obviously Pat and Tony they're both very experienced travelers, yeah. and I I really um, learned so much from them, and and also like I learned from Tony for example that he tries to keep you know his energy very low, like very down in a way uh, throughout the day, so just that he has the the energy available for the show. Yeah. So um makes so much sense man. So so there's reading, right? On the road, reading, maybe some listening to music on headphones, you know, but um not much talking and um and also not not much interaction when we're in hotels. Like obviously there's some nights where well, we when we have a night off, we usually go and eat together. So there's the communal aspect there. Yeah. Um 
Um, but then everybody goes to, uh, you know, you go, everybody goes to his own room. And um, that's really how we, how it works for us. Beautiful, man. Sounds, mm. sounds like, sounds like a solid plan. That makes so much sense. Sounds it's, like the dream band, really. That's exactly how I would like to tour. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. I want to respect your time, brother. I'm not sure. We've been talking for one and a half hours and I could go on for another three and a half. But I know you're a family man and uh, I don't want to impose. So um, how are we no, doing? Let's, 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 let's think about maybe meeting again at some point. Definitely, definitely. I yeah. mean, uh, I, mean uh, I, I would love to meet you at some point anyway in person. Uh, mm -hmm. and, but part of the agenda is also, um, dip, if I can make this podcast into a sustainable practice, I would also like to re-invite guests and down the line anyway to mm -hmm. exchange mm -hmm. notes on how life has been in between each appearance. Definitely like to put you on the list in the future at some point anyways. But yeah, I, I would love to meet up again. It's been way too long. Indeed, yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. Deeply appreciated. This has been an honor and a pleasure. And uh, there's been a lot of really wholesome content and lessons I'm taking with me after this conversation. Thanks for that. And, well, thank uh, you for everything. Where can we find you? Where, where are the best places to get to know you and your music and support you? My website links to most uh, important things. So it's Marcus Reuter, Marcus with K and then Reuter, R-E-U-T-E-R mm -hmm. dot com. And there's uh, a mailing list that you can sign up to. Uh, then there is like a, especially like also to Bandcamp. I love Bandcamp. It saved my life. So everybody should go to my Bandcamp. Fantastic. And all of yes. this will be in the episode notes anyway. And this sounds like a decent note to taper off on. So with your permission. Thank you very much for everything, my friend. No, absolutely, man. I'm, the honor is online. Thank you so much for coming on. And yes. Thanks for having me. No, no, no. Pleasure is all mine. Thanks for coming on, man. FYI, I'm pressing stop on record. Gratitude from the bottom of my heart for listening to the very end. Please consider taking a minute to subscribe to our show so you know when the next episode is out. This is a labor of love, one I hope snowballs into one that's sustainable in its attempt to support independent thought and authentic relating. And having you as a regular member of our audience is what makes that a realistic prospect. Much love and talk soon. Just another voice out there